This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Let's Talk Arsenal series, show which I'm joined by a wonderful variety of guests with amazing insights and brilliant knowledge of our football club. But I couldn't find any, so I've got Clive. How are you doing, Clive? You good? You well? <laughs> uh, you come with your jokes. I, I work with somebody already. It's quite good at jokes. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I'm good. yeah his introduction for me earlier on the vision was uh, was special. It's fair to say that he didn't hold back on the flattery, which was quite nice. So I thought I'd show him how it's done to completely undermine your guests instead. Yeah, he does that to me. Uh, they, they even got a video for me being created. It's not, as you've met me in real life, you know I'm quite a quiet person, right? So Elliot mm. knows this. And so he, like, makes me not quiet, <laughs> and like puts me out there right so um it goes against who i am but hey look it's all fun it's all fun mm, how are you though you good you enjoying the uh the break from the football or are you desperate for it to be back no well we'll, we'll, we'll no doubt talk about this but maybe i'll just talk right mm. <laughs> i can only do um i think i'm love i on a personal level absolutely bang on been, been a holiday good wi-fi could see declan rice information flooded in <laughs> Happy days, right? What's there to moan about? In a strange way, that what's there to moan about is interesting for us as fans. Because mm. when there's no games and when the news is good, this is like the moment we've all waited for. And we're doing things efficiently. And the news is quite consistent. The sources are quite consistent. And what that's almost producing is almost like a globalization of information. Right, so, and we're and we're all talking about similar things in similar ways, and so to try to extrapolate more information from that information, as fans, what do we do? Right, we take these new players that are coming in, we start to go into team formations, we start to talk about how they're going to be used, and it's very difficult to stop yourself from running away with that, <laughs> particularly as the signing's not quite done yet, and some of them, etc. So I think it's it's really interesting, football as a whole, and the way we all discuss it as the media as a whole, is becoming quite globalised. And I think football's becoming quite globalised. When we talk about systems and shapes, we all know them now. I think back to a year ago, I promise you, on your show, there was not much talk about inverted fullbacks. Mm. Now we're talking about inverted fullbacks like we're experts. Do you see what I mean? And we've all I don't know any other type of fullback, Clive. Anymore, exactly. Yeah. Like if he's not if he's not inverted, well, he's no good for us. Do you yeah. see what I mean? And um, and so I think it's really difficult for us as fans because we absorb all this information, and it's very difficult to stay open minded to what could could happen. 
And I've sort of dialed back at this time of year of trying to conclude things and just try to absorb things and absorb your potential options and, and keep my mind as open as possible because the stuff that's really exciting is the stuff that surprises you, right? And so it won't surprise you if you covered every million options in your mind <laughs> and confirmed it as a conclusion. So that, that's where my head is really around at this moment in time. Very difficult. Well, We're all desperate for sorry, news. Don't. So it's all, it's very, all desperate for news. But I don't think we need to be desperate for conclusion. Do you see what I mean? No, no. I, I think conclusion is obviously what people crave early. And I feel like to some degree we've got that in, in the three signings that we're expecting to be made. But mm. you talked about surprise. Are you surprised we got 25 million euros for Granite Xhaka out of interest? I'm pleased mm. because let's take the high level point is we need to create a selling identity. You know, when Brighton want to say 100 million for Kai Sailor, we all go, yeah, that's Brighton. Do you mm. know what I mean? Well, we want, to, we want to give people away. That's Arsenal. <laughs> and so we need to develop a selling identity, which is more aligned to the club that we are and the talent that we have. But to do that, firstly, you need to get yourself up the league. When you're mm. eighth and, and people not getting into your team when you're eighth, then you've got to take what you get. When you're a clear second and you're looking to improve your squad, so the players that are not in your squad have a little bit more value by design. And, you know, there's just, there's players, many examples of this, isn't there? I mean, Man City are looking at selling a goalkeeper who's 19 for around 19 million quid, I think 15 million plus four, is it? Um, yeah. He looks quite sharp in under 21 football, but that's youth football. You know, and he's probably got potential and they're prepared to pay it. And I wonder if we'll get that for Sambi. Does that mean the difference is, and that's where they are. So there's still a step for us to go, but it's good to see a certain identity develop at the club. It needs to happen. The scrutiny was always going to be on Edu, I felt, this summer, you know, in that regard, because in previous seasons, as you say, you know, we have disappointed a bit with sales. I mean, letting Mavropanos leave for like €3 million, Euros, which is nothing, yeah, really. Mm. Um, yes, we've improved regarding kind of future-proofing things with sell-on clauses. You know, if Balogun goes, there's suggestions they might want to insert a buyback clause, things like this. But I think with, with Edu, the introductions he's made in terms of the incomings obviously I think have gained him a lot of um a lot more not a lot of a lot more I think is the better terminology of putting it a lot more reputation in a positive sense but the sales is always going to be something that I thought you know was going to was going to determine it I, I titled the video kind of based upon that famous Arteta quote of saying I think this project is going to go bang um yeah. I think it's more to do with just Arteta and that's why I talk about Edu here because I think Arsenal is a club all in, in an all-encompassing way, whether it's incomings, outgoings, whether it's the coaching, whether it's how the ownership are now, whether it's the communication, the connection with the fans. It feels as though that the sales side of things, it seems such a small part, but if, that, if Edu can get people on side with those sales, it almost feels like he as a profile in the club will have completely, I feel like, got every not you know, we get everyone on board, but you know what I mean? The majority are going to be on board. Yeah, I, the Edu thing is quite difficult. Um, I remember I said in our own Discord, I sort of said, oh, Edu's really impressive, you know, because remember that night I went to that um, stadium opening around the art? Remember that night I went there? And, um, yeah. And I met a few people at the club that night and because um, I involved in that project for over a year, right? So mm. we're invited to the opening, etc. Yeah, I've got to see your, uh, your face on the old stadium now. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen it once, but I'm, it's quite big as well, isn't it? <laughs> like, I can't miss it. <laughs> and so... Um, I love that Elliot's, right? Elliot's holding a scarf up and just completely covering about three people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Elliot taking the limelight as always. Yeah. Right, so... Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I met a few people at the club that night. And the one that impressed me the most, just on pure meeting, in fact, I could barely get my words out, was was Edu. Mm. I thought, what an impressive guy. And I spoke to a few people about him. And I got my own view. And I sort of shared it. And people said, oh, he's not doing this. He hasn't done this. I thought, you know what? Sometimes you have to let people catch up. You have to let people catch up. You do your own research around him. Tim's got a great view of him in Brazil, how he built himself, how he, he learned the corporate ways, how he aligns himself to a manager, how he brings a manager on. And I, and I knew all this before he arrived. And then he arrived, and obviously with Raul, it's more difficult. Then he developed his own identity. And when you start to see things, always look for, in, always look for signs. 
When Arteta was in the club early on, what do we do after a few months? We change his job to manager. That tells you something. That tells you that someone likes how he's working. Right? Forget the results. Forget a substitution or two that's wrong. Somebody likes how he's working. That's where you get your job changed. The same with Edu. There was a bit of chat about him going to other clubs. But they do change his job. Gave him more responsibility. Look at some of the women signings now. He's in the picture. Mm. Look how many pictures he's in. He's he loves the football. He's Mr. <laughs> he's Mr. Football. Yeah. He's running the football side of the club. You know, so people, obviously, we care about the football on the grass. So the main person that we focus on is the manager. But we need to have a look at what's really happening. And it's not just a one-man show. The other people in the background there, like Richard Garlick, for example, that are really stepping up at this moment in time. And the deals that are being done, sales, renewals, and buys are not done by one person alone. So, well, let's get there first. Let's get to the point when everyone goes, you know what, that guy's not bad. You can't hurry people along. They have to make their own judgment in their own time. What for you needs to happen? Uh, we're in the window, so I suppose it's the right way to go about this part. But what needs to happen for the project this summer to be perfections are, are big words, but as close to perfect, a to, a cl- as close to a 10 out of 10 window, if you like, uh, based upon where we're at right now? Um, well, the sales are, you know, a week ago, you'd have told me, get De- I said, get Declan Rice in and, and get Havertz sorted out. And, <laughs> And, and hopefully get Timber sorted out because they're the names being thrown at us. Mm. A week later, I'm thinking we just got to make the sales we need to make. You know, I think it's important for squad harmony. You don't like seeing players disconnected, you know, and I'll just use one as an example. And it's Kieran Tierney. You could see he was disconnected mm. towards the end of last season, didn't quite feel part of it. And one thing that we do have is connection and unity and it's not just within the players, it's within the, you know, to the fans as well. And if we see disconnections, we will look at that and and wonder and worry if someone's on the boat or not. And then we start to get a little bit of divisive chat. Hey, look, you can't always be positive because football's not like that. It's not just you win 38 games, thank you very much. Mm. But you can do a lot around your environment and culture and you want to make sure people feel valued. And they feel like they're part of something. And if they're not part of the show, then I'm hoping they get a chance to do, have their careers elsewhere. I think that's the most important thing. You know, just because they don't make it at Arsenal, to make sure they can go and get the careers elsewhere. I think that's the most important thing now in the next few weeks. I think when it comes to outgoings, I have said a number of times, I feel like the players that we've got, there are a fair few of them that I think are the types that move toward the end of the window. Um, your Pepe's, your Cedric's. If you know, I, I kind of predicted those two might get, might become the next investments or the last, hopefully, investments that Edu has. I, I don't know who's going to come in and buy Pepe off us. I don't know who's going to come in and buy Cedric off us. As I say, I feel like it would be clubs that get toward the end of the window and haven't got their primary targets and are still looking around for opportunities. Maybe it'll be then. But other players, Tavares, um, Lukonga, those two in particular, Tavares and Lukonga, they are obviously Arteta signings. You know, signed during his tenure. You know, Pepe wasn't uh, Cedric was, but it was kind of a you know a stopgap, if you like, to, for depth yeah. at the time when we brought it in. But Tavares and Lukonga were certainly seen as projects when we bought them. A couple of kind of thought processes on this: A, why do you not think they've worked? And B. Is the club worthy of any scrutiny because they haven't? Well, not of those, not of those prices and those ages. Because that's yep. just, that's when you do take gambles. When people are saying, you know, about you know, we talked about Eddie earlier on, and someone's probably shouting at their device right now. Well, he got he got Willian. Do, do you see mm. what I mean? And it, I got, although it was free, there was a big number associated to that. And fortunately, he's mm. a good-hearted soul that he jumped out of his contract without costing us too much money. There's a lot of money associated to that deal. So, but it's not so much money associated to a Conqueror and Tavares. And, and, and so you take your risk and you move them on and you can park them somewhere and make your money. And I think we'll make our money back minimum, you know, on both those players. Mm-hmm. I think stylistically wise, I think Tavares is more of a wing back rather than a, a full back in Arsenal style. And so he was much better in the other, in the other half of the pitch, wasn't he? Simple as that. And, um, so if you're not going to have your 
play, you know, your elbow system where one fullback sits in like Newcastle do, one pushes on. So Newcastle have Dan Byrne sitting in and then they have Trippier pushing on. We were doing that at one time, weren't we, with Kieran Tierney? Mm. So having the right back sitting a little bit more, I think it was Callan Chambers for a period of time. Remember those days <laughs> with uh, Tierney <laughs> pushing on? Unless you could do that with Tavares, he's, he's no use to you. Right? So, so basically, got to move him on because Starless Lee doesn't work. And for the Congo, I just think it was intensity. Mm. I just don't think he was defensively intense enough. So he wanted to play at a rhythm and a pace which suited him. And so his reaction to transitions, both offensive and defensive, were just half a second off. And you can see our intensity growing. You can see people that we would call, used to call slow-footed, like Granite Xhaka, become quicker-footed play with quicker touches, become more aggressive in transitions both ways. And suddenly you're looking at somebody, a young kid who's not prepared to go with that. So mm. stylistically, again, he doesn't quite fit. So you move him on, hopefully minutes will bring that intensity level on. Because for some players, they need the rhythm of football. And so he played seven or eight games for Palace, then bang, major changes, and you're on the bench. So he needs to go and play. No matter what happens, he needs to play. Because he cannot be judged until he plays 20 games mm. in a row. You know, then we'll find out what he has, whether that's not, as an Arsenal player or not, mm. that's the power to be. Well, we are obviously strengthening the squad quite considerably and it, I feel as though it's not necessarily done with the three we brought in. I, I still think there would be one or maybe even two more before the end of the window that could come in. Arteta, when I look at him as a coach, I think brilliant philosophy amazing technical delivery of his ideas to the players and the success rate in which he gets players to adopt his values. Um, the values themselves are brilliant. I love the ruthlessness. I love his principles. But when I look at what, in three and a half years, a coach who is still very in inexperienced in the grand scheme of football, what can he improve? To me, it looks to be rotation. It looks to be in-game management of, of substitutions. They're the kind of two things I look at as kind of areas of development, if you like. Do you yeah. have confidence that next season, going up against Man City, who are coached by the perfect manager who knows rotation, you know, and knows how to do that effectively, with the players we got coming in, Partey might stay. You've still got Rice, you know, Rice and Partey in the same scenario. Um, Havertz and Erdegaard and Jesus and Emil Smith-Rowe, Fabio Vieira, as we've mentioned. Um, and then, of course, Timber coming in when you've got White and Saliba. You know, Do you have confidence that he is going to be able to rotate effectively? Yeah, so I've got an answer for this, Tom. <laughs> right, so uh, the way I look at this is a little bit differently. Um, we were 8th, 8th, then 5th. Then second, that's right. Was it eighth? I think it might be eighth to fifth and second in his in his tenure. Now he got us to second by not rotating. And as the prize became more available to us this year, particularly when Georgina came in and Trossard oh. came in, you thought, Crikey, we might do something here. We all started to realise that rotation was the best way. Now, we were basically played the first 14 games that we won 12, lost one, and drew drew one. World Cup came along. We were happy with the team then, weren't we? We were really happy with the team. No one's talking about rotation then. And then as the season carries on, and it's a unique scene, the World Cup break in the middle of it, we look at Man City, we look at how they pushed the pedal on the metal, we think, you know what, we needed to rotate. Yeah. But we, but we weren't thinking we're going to be in a two-horse race for a title. Now, this season, it is about rotation. It is about, you heard me say, it's on the vision, about being ready for the playoff months of April and May. Man City target their season for those two months, the winning months, the winning time months, when every single thing matters. And I think Arteta said, he said, I have to make sure I get this squad to that period of the season injury-free. Now, the mm. fact he said that, he's recognised himself, I need to have a squad that's, that's got the right attributes and profiles in it, so I can rotate. I didn't see anybody putting their hands up saying, Sleeper needs a rest, we've got to play holding. If, if yeah. you can find me that comment, Tom, throw it my way. You mm. know, I was saying that in uh, in November. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And so we all, 
But they might say next year when we have Timber, we say we can play Ben White this game and play Timber at right back. There you go. No one's going to say anything about that. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone will be comfortable with that. And his Steve's back's got a bit of a nerve twinge on it. You see him now for two games. Because I, I guarantee you he played to that back injury before he actually went down. That's what tends to happen. Right? So, mm-hmm. um, and so that's where we need to get to. I think we need to say to ourselves this season, what we've done before with our current strategy of selection has got us to this point where we're second and we're now attracting top-level players. But if we want to win, we've got to change how we approach the marathon of the season. I think we need to accumulate points in a much more of a broader way in the first part of the season and really focus on the last 10 games post that international break and make sure that we are ready, fit and healthy because the things that happen in that period of the season, they have different scar potential. Hmm. Right? So, I'm a, Zinchenko gets nutmegged at Anfield. We all remember it because it mattered at that period of time. Thomas Party gets robbed at West Ham. We all remember it. Do you know what I mean? Because those are the key moments. Ramsdale's pass out against Southampton. Do that in, in September. No one cares. Yeah. Do that in the in the playoffs, I call it. Mm. We all remember it, didn't we? We all remember it. So we have to yeah, get to that period in time, mentally fresh, physically fresh, to make sure we can actually win. I think when it comes to the, the depth that, that was always going to need be needed this summer, I really am impressed with what we are looking to try and build. Um, I looked at previous kind of iteration of the squad five, 10, 15 years ago, even, and you know, I was barely uh, 15 years ago. But I think that when I look at now the, the planning, the how well run the decision making processes are. It feels night and day. Like I feel like I've I've got confidence in this club where I didn't before. I feel like even from an ownership standpoint, that dynamic has, has shifted significantly. It's not Stan. I don't. I've never had a connection with Stan. You know, I, I, he's a silent Stan is his nickname. You know, you, you don't hear much. But Josh feels. Call me naive. For some people, do for for feeling an affinity with the owners. But the communication, I feel now certainly does and has come through. There are greater efforts being made on Josh's part. And I think that bleeds into um, kind of the, the the depth that Arteta will have because there's kind of this cohesive group between Josh and Edu and Arteta down through to the players, be it to Richard Garlick, as you mentioned, not just on the men's side, but for the women's side as well. The Alessia Russo being such a massive acquisition on that side of things. Do you feel... A greater affinity with the ownership now? Is that a fair thing to feel yeah. these days? Yeah, I've always kept my mind open about the ownership. And I think yeah. I've started to judge them since 2018, right? So you have to remember, we all we all arrive in a room in a different way, right? So I'm a big believer in first impressions count. So when Stan was introduced to us, I think when the Hillwood said, we don't need that sort here, something like that. Yeah. So f- first impressions count. Dual ownership was a bad period for Arsenal. Then we went into 100% ownership by the KSE. Yeah. But during that process, there are people who are shareholders who like being a shareholder that were forced to sell their shares. Prominent mm. Arsenal people. So I can I can only talk from my own perspective that some of those people will still be upset as a fact they had to give up their shares because it meant something mm. to them. Right, so you have to be really open-minded on these type of things. Mm. First impressions do count. Walk through the door. I didn't feel they were engaged enough. Super League thing happened, and I think something dropped. The penny dropped around that period. I think they realised what they had, what was happening here, and how what the distance was between exec ownership, the club, and its fan base. Something dropped, but boy, did they change it. They pushed Josh forward. Tim Lewis came on board. There were executive changes. There were redundancies. And maybe, you know, in all of this, there was a one-time thing in our life, hopefully, with Kobe that came along that allowed some breathing space away from people, you know, from their side of things, and to really get this in place. And you talk about people being inexperienced. Well, when Arteta was going through the COVID side of things, who could he ring to help him get through that? There's nobody's been through it. So the fact he's been through something like that, which is totally unique, 
He's a three, four-year manager. He's really got 10 years worth of experience squashed into a small period of time. So he's almost been like, he's been through the Marine training. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's been, it was bad, but good, shall we say. If anything good come out of it, that was a good thing that come out of it. Yeah. So Super League was like a line in the sand. Bringing Josh forward, I think, was a very smart thing. Again, look at the ages of our execs. They're all about similar ages. They're all early 40s. In the in their prime working years, with similar motivations, with similar ages of families, all trying to do the same things with the same energy, with lots in common, it feels aligned. You got Tim Noy says your oversight person, somebody that's trusted by the Cronkies, and since he came in, boy, did people go out the door that we didn't mm. want around. So you can see the alignment there. You can see it. So the, the thing that made me change my view on. Let's not change my view on Josh because my view's been open. But mm. when you think, you know what, let me have a look a little bit closer. And there was a podcast um, in the US. It's a basketball podcast. I forgot the name now. Apologies. Um, yeah. I remember the, the show, though. Do you remember yeah. the one? Um, yeah, he was sitting down in a chair. Uh, there was like there were chairs, weren't there? And he was talking about. Um, yeah, we have a lady called Ali Clifton and Richard Jefferson. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Follow the NBA. I've just forgotten the end of the podcast, actually. And he was talking about um, Arsenal and and the fandom mm. in the UK versus the US. He said, oh, no, no, no. You don't know what these guys are like. These guys live their club. It's mm. not like the US where you can move franchises and you go with superstars. This is completely different. And just to hear him talk to a US audience about our club, which you know, I know it's a global club, but with a local feeling of what the local fans really feel and, and how that fan base works, I thought, you know what? They're getting it. And and since mm. then, you know, actions speak louder than words. So when you're under a bit of pressure from the Super League dilemma, etc., the first thing you want to do is re- give people something, spend lots of money. But actually what they did was really back the manager. They backed the manager in a way which I thought was very um, authentic by giving him money to get rid of people, which is going to give us as fans nothing on the grass. We're mm. paying people to leave. And they're going elsewhere and getting paid their money and doing quite well. That's like that's really tough to take that mm. brave decision. But look where we are today, all smiling, with a squad that's the youngest in the league, with contracts all signed up for four or five years ahead, and people to arrive in the door very, very shortly. And the ones that are going to be sold, no, we all we can all name them. Mm. You know, we know how we're gonna play, more or less. We know the structure of our system. We know the attributes that the manager now likes. We've got full clarity and transparency about what we're doing on the pitch and off the pitch. And so you can only give people credit for that, that took those hard decisions, that did nothing for their careers. If you're Arteta, why wouldn't you keep Aubameyang around? He might score you a few goals. Mm. Nah, I'm going to get rid of him and go with a young kicker, Eddie Nketiah. That's not going to benefit him. You know, but it benefits him in the medium to long term. And I think that that sort of decision and backing of those decisions, I think, are really, really important. That you you mentioned about the the time where you know decisions being made, investing in in moving people on, and at the time it was seen as you know there was a lot of criticism of Arsenal when that was going on, and obviously it's come good since that point. How do you think you identify when the opposite is happening? I'm trying to add kind of context that question i i I mean like if things are going so well right now 
you know, I don't want to bring the mood down things are really happy, but we're going into a brand new season. So in a way, there's a clean shape, a clean uh, slate to come. How do you identify if something that's going so well has issues? And do you think there are issues that you can identify that need to maybe be addressed? I know we've talked about sales, but more than that. Um, sales we know about. You, people will, will always mention, um, thanks for reminding me of the question, Tom, I missed a bit out earlier on. <laughs> um, um, people always mention substitutions and rotation because we can see that. Mm. Uh, we can see that. So when we don't win a game, we say, oh, you should have brought on this player earlier. Why do you bring on Tierney earlier at Anfield? Couldn't you see that Sinchenko was tiring? Maybe we don't lose that cross and we don't concede the second goal, right? But I think there are other fundamental things in that game, and I think we're going to fix that with our ability to carry out a defence and and create momentums and accelerations on our behalf when we're pinned in. We've got players now who can carry, so everyone can carry. You know, so that's going to be interesting. But number one thing for me that I would like to see Arteta sort of get better at mm. is that when we have an adversity regarding an injury in the last third, his solution is different to my solution. <laughs> Right, so so not so. When I say to get better at, remember the Villarreal game we played Granit Xhaka at left back. I I wouldn't have done that, you know. I wouldn't have done that. I'd have kept our midfield together. A young lad called Gabriel was on the bench. Couldn't we stuck him mm. at left back? Played four centre backs in a line, and keep our midfield together and let and see what happens. That was my solution that day. So I was I was quite angry about that. Now I learned a bit more about. A, a centre mid dropping into the back line to create build-up phases. I understood why he did it, but I think it made us vulnerable. Is the right principle, wrong player? Does that make sense? Mm. So, again, we learn as we go. So, again, this year, when we lost um, when we lost Saliba, you know, I, I generally thought we should, should have changed systems. If you are going to play holding, then you need to protect him. And I wanted I wanted a double-six system in front, mm. defend box, and maybe use our fullbacks in a slightly different way. And what do we try to do? Exactly the same system. We move Thomas Party slightly over to the right to be a distribution guy. And everyone pinged down our left-hand side and into big spaces and ran through us. And we didn't have the cover because we still pushed Granit Xhaka high. We didn't have the coverability. And we got ran about for two or three games. And now, am I right? I don't know if I'm right. But mm. has he stuck to his principles? Absolutely. Has he stuck to his attacking principle? He certainly has. Did he try to press City off the pitch? He certainly did. Would me as a fan like to see a little bit more pragmatism? Yeah, I would. So um, so maybe a bit more pragmatism around these key decisions when we have injuries. I think that's cost us a couple of seasons. But it's just a difference of opinion rather than me saying he's wrong and I'm right. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's just a difference. So that's what I'd like to see, managing that adversity in a slightly different way. Uh, we've got uh, about 10 minutes left. We're going to tackle some questions from the chat box in those 10 okay, minutes. I've not even looked at the chat. What have they been saying about me in there? <laughs> oh, they're very complimentary, these guys. You know oh, yeah. you know the chat box well by this point. You're I've been, a regular I've been on it today. I've been on it. <laughs> regular attendee. Uh, well, the thing is, there's, a, there's so much chat, which is so much the same. I've decided, mm. you know what? I'm going different. I'm going. I'm going to bring these guys with me a little bit. I, I've got so much to say about Rice in particular and where I think he's going and what I think mm. can happen there. I want to broaden the conversation out a little bit because we are we're becoming a little bit news centric. That's all we've got. I can't wait till the games start. We Try one of the daily news channels. <laughs> yeah, we gotta. We gotta. I can't wait till the ball starts rolling. I just can't mm. wait because that's the conversation that I really, really enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, uh, you can be sure when we get to the end of the window, it'd be good to do our catch up as we do with Andrew Ask blog as well. At the end of each window, yeah. we've done those for the last like three windows, and we would have had football playing by then. So it'd be great to get an insight. Uh, let's talk. Us says, what are your thoughts on Steve Round leaving the club? Yeah, it's an interesting one, right? Because Steve Round is the, and I've just read that. I don't know that. Mm-hmm. I don't have any news about it. I thought I think Charles broke it earlier, which is a good good bit of scooping from him. Um now Steve Round, what do I do know is that he was the elder statesman in the group. Similar age to me. Elder statesman in the group. So I think he looks young and well. <laughs> and uh basically he was the 
he was the guy that you bounce things off. He was the, he was the culture guy. He helped keep the players on side. He did some one-on-one development coaching, but he was the guy that really supported Arteta in instilling the culture in, into the club. And when I saw that news break today, I thought, you know what? Without knowing the reasons behind it, mm. I thought, that's interesting. But it's only interesting to see what happens next. Because there's a couple of people in that backroom staff. There's one guy in particular called Carlos Cuesta. Yep. Who is incredibly well thought of. Mm. Incredibly really nice guy well as well. Of. Like, right? so, really nice guy. And this guy, I think he's about 30, Tom. I mean, yeah, he's, yeah. he's going to go somewhere. He's going mm-hmm. somewhere in this game. And sometimes, without knowing anything, you know, you have to create room for super talents. You know, so what's his space on this? Interesting to see how his role develops and interesting to see how we bring in somebody else and if we do bring in mm-hmm. somebody else. Santi? Could it be Santi? <laughs> well, that's, that's the first one people think of. You know, yeah. if, if, a couple, if you're asking me to try to predict the next oh, Arsenal, the next Arsenal coach, it's not. I do think if Arteta was to go on, my eyes are on Xabi Alonso, I have to say. My eyes are on him. It's an interesting He'd person. He'd be more of a successor, wouldn't he, to Arteta? Yeah, that's what I mean by that. Oh, yeah. My eyes are, I'm watching his career. You know, definitely. Mm. And we just popped a player over to him, haven't we? Right. Yep. So, um, so I'm, you know, there are people I'm watching in the background to sort of see what happened because life doesn't ever stay the same, right? It's always changed. I mean, crikey, I, I joined something called Threads today. What the hell's that? Hey, well, same. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, life doesn't stay the same. <laughs> so, so, yeah. I mean, what's this place of Carl's question? That's my hunch. Mm. But let's see what happens thereafter if we do bring in somebody younger. You know, even younger, you know, and try to develop young people or bring in another elder statesman to um, Arteta to uh, bounce off. Yeah, that, you've you've made me think like the the, the next step because Arteta will leave one day. You know, he's not going to be like Wenger was for twenty two years. He will move on. Um, that next step is going to be very interesting. I feel like Xabi Alonso is a natural successor for to to Jurgen Klopp potentially at Liverpool just because of that link that's yeah. there. Um, but there's a link with Arteta, isn't it? And they they yeah. grew up together, etc. So what's his base on that? Don't don't dismiss it. It's just my little hunch. Don't get the aggregators going. Clive says, Chabby Alonso to Arsenal. You've heard <laughs> it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Penny Wayne says, you had a year to look at Newcastle. How scared should we be? And how many seasons do you think until they start to dominate things? Well, we're all sitting here in the glow of potential um, new signings at a, quite a high number. I do worry about the transfer fees per se I think football's buying itself out of transfer fees if this continues it can't continue there'll be regulation so mm. that's another topic um, fortunately Newcastle haven't got the commercial revenues to allow them to spend what they could spend yet they have mm. this new shirt sponsor let's see how that goes shall we uh, they have Champions League money which gets them 50-60 million quite quickly they haven't commercially able to really maximize Champions League money. So their commercial deeds are probably not in place. Say if you qualify for Champions League, you get X and you get Y. Do you see what I mean? Whereas we yeah. would have that in built into some of our deals. So we're going to commercially really see some some increased revenue from qualifying for Champions League because of our history, etc. and the deals that we would have put in place. Newcastle wouldn't have that. So it's only a matter of time before commercially they start to prepare the ground for increased revenues once they have increased revenues and they get a bit of time with their financial player play windows they're coming mm. it's interesting the identity they've built at the moment which is very british centric identity hard work and identity which matches the crowd they have yep i think it's very smart squad building but look closely at some of the youth players that are going to newcastle Mm. You know, I know of one in my area that's just going up there. Start to look at the youth side of things. Don't look at some of the top shelf stuff, because we can all see that. Yeah. <clears throat> but look at what Chelsea are doing, look at what City are doing, and look at what Newcastle and Arsenal are doing at the youth level. They are building a power base at that level. There's increased focus in that space. And Newcastle are starting to take people. You know, so 
Look at that. Look at how they build their training ground, their infrastructure around that. That's the stuff to look at because that mm -hmm. tells you when they're going to arrive. As a fan, we tend to look at the next couple of windows. They're, they're gonna, if they're smart, they're going to look around at Man City and you build something that's sustainable over many, many years. When you spend on infrastructure, it comes from different sides of the budget. It doesn't, it doesn't stand in your financial fair play side of things. You can spend what you like, and they have do-what-you-like money. Once you have the infrastructure in place, the right training grounds, all that in place, then you can attract people. When you have the right private schools linked to your club, when you have the right digs for young players to come up and stay, when you have all that in place, you can sell that, and then you can build your youth talent. That's what Chelsea did. They mm. stole all the best youth talent from around the country and sold it as their own and made their millions, which allowed their their nets their net sales to look really, really good. I can see Newcastle going that way. It's going to be harder for them being up there rather than being in London. It's a little bit more attractive being in London, particularly for foreign players. But what's your space on the youth side of things? And when they get that base in place, nothing we can do. But what we can do is what we're doing right now, which is future-proofing mm. ourselves. Get the best players you can get, pay for them, increase your revenues, make your revenues pay you back, make sure you sell well, and you have to stay ahead of these teams, and you don't wait. You don't sit like you did before, looking at Chelsea, hoping that FFFP is going to reel them back in. Didn't happen, did it? So now mm. you spend your money, you future-proof yourself, you get there ahead, you make yourself attractive, make your place the destination of choice, and Newcastle does not matter. There is enough talent in the world. You've got to make sure that you're the club that people want to come to. And this summer tells you that in abundance, isn't it? People mm. are saying, we want to go there because of the people that are there, the environment that's there. That's including of all the people in your chat windows right now. They've helped create an environment as a fan base that people want to join. I think it's very important that we recognise the role that we have to play to make sure that environment continues. Spot on. Uh, last one from BizDev, who says, Clive, one three-month sacker injury. What do we actually do? Settle on and get us through that period. Um, is that, I guess it kind of leans into this question as well. Of if you could pick one more position to reinforce, where would you choose, excluding a surprise exit? So, so yeah, we, let's just have, let's have a couple of, uh, let's have a bit of speculation, mate. Right? <laughs> <A> special. <Yeah. laughs> that bit of speculation. And, um, I keep, I'm not sure if Thomas Pye is going to go or not. You read one thing one minute, you read something the next minute, right? So if Thomas Pye was to go, we I think we all know the midfielder that's hanging around waiting to see if he can get a chance to come here uh, mm -hmm. in, in, in Lavia, for example. So that makes a that makes a bit of sense for me because of what he does, particularly in first phase build up. I, I really like what he does. He's nineteen, he's tearing it up. The price is too big, but in a year's Why time it's gonna be a hundred. Right, honestly, it's going to be a hundred. Look at Kaiseido. Mm. out of nowhere. He's gone from fifty to a hundred. Five, five million. So he went from five, and then he, and then, but obviously in January, I think the first bid that Chelsea put in was like, was it around fifty, forty-five, fifty, something like that? Yeah, something like fifty-five, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and but then now they want a hundred six months later. You know, this is how things can go. So. The Lavia deal might feel expensive. You get it for forty plus change, and I think that that works. But the one the one area that bothers me because I think our our back five area now, the base of our team, I, I quite like what we're doing. I think I think Kirantini should go for his sake. Um, mm. But I, even if Kirantini goes and and Cedric goes, God bless him. I think we've got enough. You know, Cedric won't won't bring the house down. I think we've got enough. Um, but in the front five space, I think we lack one speedster, and and that and I just think we need that speed. So, if you look at the group we have, we have speedy wide men in Martinelli and Saka, who everyone loves, would like to play sixty games. Thank you very much. Nine minutes. It's yep. not gonna. It's not gonna work. We've got our controlling wide men. So you have your Trossard, who's a bit more of a lane four controller assist maker, could be a false nine, but he plays slightly on the inside. Smith-Rowe, very similar to Trossard in my view. They look like almost the same player. Get the ball, turn around, accelerate, lay it off. Smith-Rowe's looking very good for under-21. Oh, very, very good. good. Uh, it's, it's a little bit kiddie football, Tom, but he's still mm. looking yeah. 
Well, Mudrick's doing looking, really, really well. <laughs> yeah, he's still yeah. looking very, very good. So I see Vieira as a similar player on the right-hand side, a controlling lane four player that gets the ball one, two, clip crosses into the middle back post. Lots to prove to people, so I won't say too much there because some people, most people are not convinced. I've seen enough to say there's something there, but is it good enough for Arsenal to be to be confirmed? Havertz, how are we going to use him? He's probably going to be in the one of the eights or as a false nine or as a ten. So again, one of those three central positions for me. So have we got on it? Nelson signed, obviously, and I think he's a he's a very viable left wing option with pace. It gives a lot mm. of what Martinelli gets. But we haven't got that guy on the right-hand side. Just really happy there with speed that when Saka comes off, we don't think we're going to get pinned in. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's very important. So for me, I would like that player. You know, Come on. Give me a name. Come on. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely don't know. I like the guy. I like the look of the guy, Williams. You know, guy. Um, yeah, yeah, Nico Williams. Nico Williams. I like the look of him, but he looks a bit young and raw. Mm-hmm. Another player that I like, and he's not—he's not really. I don't think he's going to replace Saka, but I just think he just screams Arsenal Football Club, and that's mm. Shabby Siemens. Mm-hmm. I just think he's got something that could go to a really high level. You know, he could pocket Vieira, Trossard. He could pocket all them. He could play on that right-hand side. I think he plays at a, the intensity level that we'd like. Yep. You watch what happens when he loses the ball. You watch what happens when how he wants to run beyond. He reads people. He can finish. He's got 20-plus goals this year. So score is not a problem. When he came to the Emirates, mate, I couldn't keep my eyes off him. Mm. You know, The most impressive players I've seen in opposition this year was him. I thought Kai Taylor was unbelievable when he came towards the end of the season. So was Mitoma, by the way. Uh, so was yeah. so was Levi Colwell. I mean, Brighton were just impressive that day. You know, um, they really stood out for me. Um, obviously, Harlan looked very good in the home game. But yeah, Siemens is the one. And I don't think of him as a, a Saka replacement. I just think he's an opportunity too good to miss. Yeah, I've said that, yeah. I just think sometimes mm-hmm. you've got to say, you know what, I don't really care, mate. Can you just stand here for a bit? And we'll work mm-hmm. you into the club. And we'll work a pathway for you because I just think he's got that X factor. You know, and I just think, yeah, can't let that go. When opportunity shows itself like that, if financial opportunity shows itself, you've got to, t- you've got to try to grab it and you make changes in your club to make room for a player like that. Mm. I mean, I think he's there to, to be grabbed. PSG have activated the 6 million euro buyback clause, but it's down yeah. to him whether he goes. And I think if Arsenal came in with a 30 million bid for the guy PSV would be more open to it because obviously it's more money for them yeah and I think he's changed agents to David Dean's son um yeah. so I'm not sure with David Dean's son and Arsenal anymore I'm not I'm not, not up to date but there was a period he wasn't so good so um okay I'm not up to date I'm not up to date on that so I don't want to say yeah neither am I to be fair but I, I think that there is a I just I agree with you and I've said it on the show before it's too good not to snap him up because I just feel like someone is, and then he's going to stay there for 10 years and become great. So, mm. you know, grab him if you can. Um, Carl says, does Clive have his own show? Could uh, could listen to this man talk forever. Well, it's a nice way to round off the show, because Clive, <laughs> firstly, thank you so much for coming on the show. But tell people where they can find you. Yeah, my, my son keeps saying, what are you just doing your own YouTube channel? I, was like, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. <laughs> so uh, that's the only reason why I've not done it so far. So yeah, primarily I'm on the Alpha Region podcast. I want to come on a few this week, though. I've done a few bits. So what's this space is all I will say. Oh. I will say there's a few things. I've got a few things in the uh, in the locker coming out shortly. So let's see. There you go. Keep your eyes peeled at Clive PAFC on Twitter. I'm sure you'll see it retweeted and tweeted of what Clive's been up to. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, seeing it. So yeah, lovely stuff. But thank you again, Clive, for coming on the channel, mate. Always an Edge absolute. Mate. I like your crew. I'm going to look at the comments now. I like your crew, <laughs> and um, they see me in the morning sometimes, didn't they? So um, they're they're good. Yeah, yeah. They're good. Yeah, yeah. I'm the only one doing anything 8 a.m. in the morning. So you know, Clive sometimes hops along in the chat. So. 
So, uh, and I will be live tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. as usual. Uh, I am going on holiday tomorrow down to the south coast, going to the New Forest for a week. Um, nice. at, at a campsite, though. So, it's well, I'm glamping, Clyde. I don't know you know this term, glamping. Um, Mate, there's do, meant to be Wi Fi. <laughs> There's meant to be Wi-Fi. It's not my choice. I should put this out. This is all the misses. Like it's, it's all her. I'm just kind of like, you know, that ring I put on my finger means I've got to do it now. So, but uh, yeah, mate, if it's not five stars, I'm not leaving the house. Simple as that. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, I'm yeah. hoping there's Wi-Fi. You're young, right? You're young. You go, go and have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I I hated camping when I was young. I couldn't stand it. So I'm hoping that this is going to be accessible also for the channel as well i'm hoping that the wi-fi is good enough i will be obviously testing that tomorrow and hopefully we'll bring you something on on saturday but i will be still here tomorrow for the show at 8 a.m so do make sure you set your alarms as usual turn your notifications on those that are listening live thank you so much drop a like on the video subscribe if you're new follow us on the socials you can follow both me and clive on threads now as well uh we're both there uh you can find us is it at clive pafc over there as well or? i don't know i think so <laughs> It might be the Clive with the most followers on thread so already. So make yeah. sure that you just type in Clive and I'm sure he'll pop up. You can find me at Tom Canton 94 because it links to my Instagram. By the way, for those, I've got loads of people requesting my Instagram now. My Instagram's private. It's literally just people in my close circle from home. That's why I'm not accepting anyone on my Instagram. But you, it is linked to the threads, which you can follow. So do follow us over there. But thank you everyone for listening. Very much appreciate your time. As always, uh, drop a like, subscribe, all that lovely stuff and we'll see you again very soon and as always up the arsenal it's the 90 plus minute all your mates around and you've got a mcnuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfection order now on the mcdonald's app for your mc delivery you in at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans